Am I making any sense? All right, my friends, here we are. Another episode of Am I Making Sense? Today, very special episode. I have the co-host, co-creator of the Uncommonwealth podcast. He can be found throughout the Zoomosphere doing stand-up comedy. Ooh. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the wonderful, hardworking Adam Mueller. Yes. Adam, man, I'm glad you uh, agreed to do the podcast. I see you around in a lot of different Zoom rooms. I really oh, yeah. enjoy the stuff you're doing. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I got to say, you're one of the more disciplined Zoom comics out there Ooh. with the amount of rooms I see you in. Have you been feeling any kind of Zoom fatigue over the last year? Oh. If so, how do you deal with that? Oh, it's a great question. Um, so, the, he, I mean, absolutely. I think I've gone through s- several cycles of like Zoom fatigue, but yeah. I would say I don't think it's any different than like uh, if I was running around the city doing spots and open mics. Yeah. You can get it as just an open mic fatigue. And I don't, I don't, I don't perceive it that differently. Okay. Uh, if it makes sense, uh, if that makes sense, just because, yeah. you know, like, as you know, like for an open mic, you, you get your five minutes or whatever they give you. Um, and then you try your best to be a good audience member yeah. <laughs> uh, for all the other comics. Yes. Um, but the vast majority of that open mic is you sitting there listening to other people, not, you know, and then you get your turn. So you do three or four of those in a row, whether it's on zoom or whether it's sitting in a, a bit dingy bar somewhere um, that can get pretty, that can get tiring day in and day out. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not like when you're doing a spot where like you can, you don't have to be in the room other yeah. than when you're on stage. It's a very, that's a very different, I mean, there's obviously it's much higher stakes in front of a, a paying crowd. Yes. But if you're doing 10, if you're doing seven, 10, 15 minutes, like that's what you're doing. Yeah. You then don't have to sit there and be attentive Right. For the entire show because you're one of the performers. So, um, so the answer is yes, but I don't, I don't perceive it as that different than the fatigue I might've gotten, you know, 18 months ago, just running around New York doing open mics. Yeah. I, I definitely, I agree with that sentiment. I'm kind of fatigued this week. I, I pretty much called it in. I think I've only done two open mics this week and I, I'm bouncing, I'm leaving town later this afternoon. So I kind of oh, nice. just like, I, you know, I'm going to reset, but I definitely, I have that fatigue. But what I would say is I agree with you 100% in the sense that I didn't even realize I was fatigued back when we were doing this in the real, I guess, real, mm. whatever you want to call it. And then the the shutdown happened and I stopped going out late and I was sleeping so much and I realized mm-hmm. I think I was exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Zoom, I, it's a different kind of fatigue. Like I don't have the yeah. same like physical tiredness of going out late, uh, but it's definitely, I was kind of burnt out on being on a computer like three years ago, but I, I my mm. career is like, I'm staring at a screen all day, every day for like 25 years. And so I was feeling that fatigue years ago and now mm. shutdown happened and I was like, oh, we've been mandated to stare at a screen. <laughs> All day, every day. And we got to, you know, our stand-up comedy has to transfer over to the screen also. I mean, that's a good point, though. It's that if, especially if you have a day job um, where you're on the computer all day or looking at a screen for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, even, I guess even now, even if you're a teacher or whatever, if you're looking at this and then 
when you sort of unplug that and you go to start doing your comedy in the evening, you're just back on the screen. Yes. That's a different, that's a different type of fatigue than sitting in a basement, you know, staring at someone on stage. So, yeah. Um, but look, I think the way to deal with that kind of, like any kind of comedy fatigue is just start writing. Yeah. Cause if you write something and you think, and you like it and no one's heard it yet, the fatigue will go away. Yeah. You'll want to, you'll want to say it in front of people to see how they react. That's interesting. Yes. Writing. I never get fatigue writing. I definitely, I, yeah. I get those dry patches where it's like, man, this is all garbage. Everything I write is garbage, but at least mm. I'm writing garbage. <laughs> and then, you know, well, and eventually you find that nugget and then you're all, you're excited to try it. And that, yes. you know, that's kind of the cycle. Like the hard weeks are the weeks where like, maybe you've got a big show or an audition or a showcase. And so you just run in the same set again and again. And that becomes like, you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to fake, like, I don't want to do it in front of a non sort of paying audience again. Yeah. I want like, but you got to, because you're preparing for something. Yeah. And that's, that's a different type of thing than like, I just wrote this new joke. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to find a, an opportunity to tell it to people. Right. That's a different, that's a different fatigue. That's your act yeah. fatigue, which I get that really bad. And I would mm. say, uh, that's one of the things I really need to work on is I get act fatigue really after two or three sets. If I do the same jokes, mm. two or three sets in a row, then I go, what am I doing? I, I, I can't do this anymore, but you got to do it. You got to keep doing it. If you believe in the material, right? If you really, well, there's two types of stuff, right? Like there's the, there's the, like, you know, again, so you have an audition and you're, so you're running the th set multiple times, like wrote, like you're, you're not changing a word. You're not changing a pause. You're just trying to lock it all in. Yeah. And of course, if a new tag or something, uh, you know, appears in your mind, you might try it, but that's different than like, oh, it's the same joke, but I'm going to, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to say it in a different way. I'm going to pause in a different spot. Like you're just sort of experimenting with it. Yeah. And you're trying to say it sort of fresh each time because it's, you know, it's a work in progress. Like everything is right. Um, but I also kind of think of like, I don't know if this is the right time period. It's probably different for everybody, but if, if every three to six months, you don't go through a few weeks where you think every joke you've ever written sucks, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Or no, I get that all the time. I think everyone, I think everyone yeah. goes to the site. They're like, Oh God, this, this, this stuff is terrible. And well, then especially, I, let me ask you this one. Do you rewatch your stuff after you do it? Yeah. Every time. Cause I get that. Or, I, or listen, if I only have audio, I obviously, I just listen, but yeah. Um, if I have a, I'll, if I have a video, I'll try to watch it that day. If not early, if not the next morning. Yeah. I'm the same why way. It's, why it's fresh. Can, if, if I, um, if I don't hate myself so much after the set, I'll, I will rewatch it that same day, but I kind of give myself homework of the next day. Like you got to listen to what you said. And then sometimes, actually not sometimes, most of the times I just go, oh, you fucking idiot. None of this made any sense. <laughs> and then you hate yourself, but then you go, okay, well, I'll try again. I'll try again. And that's what I've been doing with this Zoom. With So mm. I, I'm very fatigued with um, Zoom comedy, mm. which is going to lead into another question here. But um, I kind of, I don't give myself the choice. Just go, you're going. And then whatever happens. And sometimes I can't even do my material, but I go, I just, I'll just get up and I'll just talk. And then at least mm -hmm. I'm in front of people. Um, but so let me ask you this. Have you gone to uh, in-person mic yet since the shutdown? Let's see. Oh, si well, since March. Yeah. It seems like there's sort of, it, it feels like there's kind of been two different shutdowns. Yes. Things got better in the summer. And uh, here in, I'm in New York 
uh, if it's not obvious from the backdrop, but, um, so in the summer, there's a lot of outdoor stuff, right? So, um, I did a bunch of outdoor shows. I co-produced a weekly outdoor show, you know, and we stopped right around Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, because it got too cold and that's kind of when the second shutdown happened. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't doing like indoor open mics or anything, but I was doing a couple, like maybe one to two outdoor shows a week. Okay. Plus the zoom mics. And that was good. Um, I did Well, I did, I did one casino, like a casino. In, I, went, I did a, a spot at a casino in Connecticut in sometime last summer. Okay. And that was, that was actually my first like indoor comedy since March. Okay. So March to like August was kind of when I was, when I was just zooming and on roofs. So do you feel that what you were doing in a zoom room transferred well into back into physical comedy? Yeah, it did. Okay. I think for me, and look, I, I I've thought a lot about, it. it's a great question. I've thought a lot about it because there were people and still are there. Like, I'm just not doing zoom. I just don't. Yeah. I just, um, and I think part of that is how thick is your skin? Because you don't, you don't the the you don't get the same reactions on Zoom and you don't get the same, you know, adrenaline, dopamine rush satisfaction when it goes well because it's not the same. Yeah. But like can you tell if a joke is funny? Can you can you figure out where to pause the wording if people respond to it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um look, I think people that write on stage or they do a lot of act outs. Like there's certain types of jokes that are very difficult on zoom for sure. Yes. I mean, look at us right now. Like you can't see anything below like my armpits. Yeah. So if it, like if I was doing some act out where it's like, and then my hips, like, well, you can't, you know, how yeah, do you do that? Yeah. You can't. So I, I do know some people that it's very, very difficult for them because they need their whole body to be seen and they're very physical, but I'm more of a joke guy. The footwork. Um, no one notices so, the footwork on zoom. Anymore. I know. Right. Jeez. But also like, look, I, I do, I've done a bunch of Zoom shows where I stand up and I put the camera back and you still yeah. can't see like my whole body, but it's a little bit more representative. There's a little bit more body language. Yeah. Um, and I'll do, and I run my set to myself standing up to a blank wall. So there's ways to kind of keep, try to keep fresh. It's not the same. It's not as good. Right. But, um, but I found going back to standing in front of live people, like it, there was some rust to shake off for sure. But also I had all this new material that I'd done on zoom that I knew was funny. Right. So I thought that, you know, that to me, the, there was a ton of value in it. Yeah. No, I think there's definitely a lot of value in this. I think for me, well, number one, the writing, right. To your point earlier, where you were saying, well, if you're writing stuff down, you got to try it in front of someone. So that's been great. It's kept me disciplined on the writing. Mm. But I think another thing, and this is what I'm, really curious about is markets were very, um, so all of us kind of grinding it out at the, uh, open mic and DIY, mm -hmm. um, scene, you know, we're, we're very, we're, we're in our boxes in whatever market we're in. Sure. Are you in the Bay area? I'm in the Bay area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So San Jose and the Bay area has its own markets, right? So we have right. South Bay, we have Oakland, we have San Francisco. Oh, sure. And so we all, we kind of sure. mix, but then we also kind of stay in our own regions to some extent, obviously, yep. depending on how committed to the game you are. Um, but this is kind of just smash those boxes. And I, I'm, I'm so happy hmm. to meet people from all these different um, markets and kind of to realize the thing is like, oh, we all go through 
the same thing. We all kind of struggle in the same areas and yet right. it's not quite the same staring at a person in a little zoom panel as oh, yeah. to see him in person. But nevertheless, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm hopeful that we can all move to different markets kind of more easy than it had been in the past. Cause I remember traveling, I would travel for work or whatever, and just mm. try to get an open mic here and there. And it always felt, uh, well, number one, you got to find the right mm. Facebook group, our Facebook group. You got to right. whatever, talk to the right person. So just finding a mic in and of itself was kind of hard. Um, and then, you know, going up, obviously, you know, you don't know if the guy's going to give you a spot or whatever. So I'm hoping that this changes it. So when we go back to normal, whatever that'll look like in the future, that will be a little more integrated than we had been in the past. Yeah. And I'm sure some of these Facebook groups that have sprung up that have connected people from all over the country, if not all over the world, will stay active. So if you're going somewhere, you'd be like, hey, who's in, anyone on here in Kansas? I'm coming through. Exactly. What, any, any, anyone know any producers I should reach out to? Any, you know, where's the best open mics? Where the, What's the best comedy club? Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's going to be some of that. I also think a lot of people started comedy on Zoom. Oh, that's a topic in of itself. Oh, yeah. So I think it's, which is, I think it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And, it's, and I got to tell you, uh, one of my sick pleasures in life is watching my fellow comics squirm on stage. You know, <laughs> like when you're doing really bad, that's almost as entertaining as when you're doing really good for me. Maybe oh, yeah, comics love watching someone else bomb. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. It's just so much fun. Um, you know, all the better if you know the person and they're not going to take it personal if something, if you start talking shit, but here's what I want to see. I want to see the Zoom, the, the ones who started on Zoom jump to the in-person and just kind of see how that plays out. I want to see if some of them go out and then it's like you said, they're able to take whatever they were doing in Zoom and then thrive and do good from the get-go. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who, once they get up there and all those eyeballs... It's a very different, like the, um, look, a lot of people think that stand-up comedy co comedians are so brave because one of the biggest fears people have is public speaking. Right. Uh. And, and talking to a bunch of zoom boxes is different than talking to a hundred people in a room. Yeah. So, so some people will either have an adjustment or will struggle with just that, that transition. And I'm sure some, some old people might decide, you know, I don't, I it was fun on zoom and yeah. I was passing the time. Cause I was like stuck at home and stuff but it's, it's not really for me yeah. at a, in the live setting. Other people will be like, you know, this is so much better. This is great. Yeah. And I've got, all, and I've got material because I've developed it yeah. on zoom and I'm having a lot of fun and you know, they'll, they'll, they'll thrive and go forward, but it will be a, it's, it's uh it's an adjustment. Cause part of the, to me, part of the whole, like my whole attitude about zoom is like, how can I, how can I use this so that I'm better on stage when I'm back, when I get back on stage? Yes. As, a, as opposed to like, how do I crush it on Zoom? And I think that's I, a, those, yeah. are, those are two different things in a way. Do you think There's, anyone's crushing it on Zoom right now? Well, it's, I mean, you've got to, it depends. Like if you set your bar properly and you know what, like, uh, you know, you know what, what, killing gonna, on Zoom is a different feeling. I'm going to pander right now. You do very well in Zoom, my friend. Oh, thank you. I, I, I almost every one of your sets, it's hard for, you know, once you start working with other comics and you go, I start knowing them too, but every one of your sets, I usually laugh. So you, I think if there's a formula to zoom, I would say from my perspective, you've definitely figured something out on zoom. Cause I think I'm also lucky in that. I think like shorter, 
more contained jokes are better suited to this medium. And that's what I already did. So yeah. it wasn't like, you know, um, whereas other people may have had to adjust or just acknowledge that like they're not, they don't quite come across on zoom, but that's who they are. And that's what they're going to do because it works on stage. So it's, I think it's just like for the pure joke writers, this is great. Yes. That's um, been my, that was my thing from the beginning where I said, you know what? And I like to meander a little bit. And I, I think I do get sucked mm -hmm. into the storytelling mindset quite often. But what I will say is I like writing jokes. I try to write concise jokes, um, you know, at least a couple of mm -hmm. times a week. But um, when I first switched to Zoom, I, I, I had an, just an instinctual thought, like, I better keep everything like, but up, up, but up, up, they're like, eh, boom. You know, I don't know if that's definitely not making any sense, but something that has to be kind of quick and punchy because I right. mean, you're competing with all of the world's knowledge. You know, like people are on the internet whilst you're trying to, they could be mm -hmm. looking for whatever online. So you better just hit them with something and then move on to the next thing. So, yeah. and you, and yeah, trying to come across in like a, like a persona driven Ooh. set is tougher. Yes. Because you've got, you, cause you don't have your whole body to convey like who you are. Right. Um, Yes. So that is more difficult. But I also think the people that are doing that and all of us do to some extent, like when you get back on stage, you, I think, I think some people don't realize how much better they've gotten on zoom because and when they get back on stage in, in front of a real paying audience, they'll be like, Holy crap. Like I, yeah. there was some sort of step function of improvement that took place this year that I didn't even feel happening. Yeah. Which is kind of in my experience. That's how comedy works. Even live is like, you don't realize you're getting better. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, this, this feels way better than it did six months ago. Something changed yeah. and you don't, and then you're kind of angry. Cause like, I wish I knew what it was. Cause I'd try to keep doing more of it, but I have no idea. It just sort of happens. Yeah. I, that was another thing that I really enjoyed about, um, you know, stand up comedy in person is I would watch mm -hmm. people around me and I would see them make improvements where, mm -hmm. you know, their material, maybe even they didn't even change their material but the way they held handled themselves on stage and then the confidence level with which they were delivering the material, the audience right. is starting to respond more and more. And I would, and I would see some of my buddies, you know, like some of the guys who I would consider in my class, you know, around like a two year mark or whatever. And I would see them and I go, Oh shit, they're starting to figure it out. And then you just kind of know, well, okay, if they're figuring it out, I must somehow be figuring it out, even though it's harder to judge yourself on things. Yeah. But that was always nice. Uh, for me to, to to witness people, I guess, leveling up. And I like that you said step function, which actually is going to lead into another question. So you have a highly uh, technical background prior prior to stand-up comedy. Yeah. like a I only know this through, through your stand-up. Like the only thing yeah. I know about Adam is whatever you've gone over in your right, right. set, right? But um, sure. does do you find that your <laughs> technical background has been able to carry over to stand-up comedy. Are there things that you learned in that lifestyle or, or, or living mm -hmm. that life that you were able to carry over into stand-up comedy? I mean, yeah, I think, yes, uh, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of how much of it is technical and how much of it is just having had various experiences in the like workforce mm -hmm. where like, you know, um, 
you do a bad, you get a bad performance review and it just eats, you know, and it crushes you because those are the people that actually like pay your check. Yeah. You know, and, and you worked your ass off for a whole year and this one review could cost you a lot in your bonus kind of thing. When you've had those sorts of experiences, like having a bad five minute set in front of a bunch of tourists, <laughs> like, you know, like no one wants you all, you always want to murder on stage, right? We all want to be, yeah, the yeah, best. Yeah. We, want to, we want to crush everything. But when you don't, you're like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll just listen to it and try to figure out how to be better next time. But it's not like this soul crushing. Yeah experience it's i want to avoid it but like i've had soul crushing experiences this isn't one of them you know yeah 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 um so there's that sort of just being able to put things in perspective a little bit um having some life experiences yes either talk about or draw on the emotions of it in writing jokes um i think like the funniest comics or stuff where, are where bad things have happened to them yeah and then some time has passed and they're able to <laughs> either talk about them directly or just channel those like emotional experiences into other jokes yeah. because they've just experienced life. Um, and also frankly, just like being able to work hard, like, yeah. Um, comedy is an interesting thing because there's no, what's the definition of a comic, right? Do you have to make your entire living doing comedy? Cause then there's not very many comics. Cause no. even some incredibly funny people that have been yeah. on TV and done some wonderful things still need other income. Yep. So that's not the definition. Is a definition like you do one open mic, you can say you're a comic. I don't know. That seems like a little extreme at the other side. Yeah. So what it's sort of a self-determined identity to some extent, right? Um, so you may or may not have had like a lot of life experience to talk about. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't anyway. Um, but and you don't might not know what hard work means. Yeah, but I guess the the point I was the point I was getting at is I first of all I've a lot of it's got to be very difficult working a forty to sixty hour a week job or multiple jobs, and then trying to write jokes and go to open mics in the evening as you develop. That's a right. that's a gr that's like a grind on top of a grind, right? Yeah. But um, if you treat something like a hobby, then it's a hobby. Yeah. So if if you want to be if you want to like legitimately call yourself a comic. As opposed to, so let's call it, let's say like an aspiring, I'm not even, I'm not comfortable saying I'm a comedian. Okay. I, 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 I say like aspiring. Okay. I just haven't achieved, there's not an achievement that I've made or a recognition that I've received where I, where I can be like, okay, now I can say that comfortably. Um, but uh, you got to treat it like a job if you want it. Yeah. You know, because it's that hard. Is, that it is interesting. That, that's um so that's kind of one of those uh going into the thing of at what point do you feel worthy of the position that you're actually in right but you break you you make a very good point because you broke it down into multiple areas like i definitely would categorize myself as a hobby level stand-up comic right because mm -hmm. i haven't made the sacrifices that many people make to commit to the craft or whatever mm -hmm. Um, but you could have other things going on in your life. Like you're, you're, you're married, you have a family, you have kids. Like there's other there's competing and there's competing interests with your time. Yeah. Like there, there, if you're, you know, if, if, it, if the typical American job is like eight to 10 hours a day, at least five days a week. Right. Yeah. Are you, if you want to, if you're a full-time professional comic, you should be spending at least 50 hours a week, if not more doing comedy. Right. And that, and by the way, that's, you know, that's writing, performing, traveling, yeah. 
watching, you know, other shows or Netflix specials or writing scripts. It's all, it's the all encompassing, you know, yes. Dynamic. Cause you're every bit of that makes you better. Parallel. But that's, that's what a full-time job is. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't get, if you, every once in a while you wonder, is someone doing this? Cause they just think they're naturally gifted and it's a cool way to work like an hour a day. Yeah. That won't, that won't like the chat. That's a lottery. T- like maybe there's someone that's that gifted, but seems like no. that's uh, a very unlikely path. No, what there was a, a local comic here. He was also a musician and he was kind of early on, I guess, just given his philosophy on um, stand-up comedy and, and versus music. And he was saying the thing about stand-up comedy is in music, we, you have that concept of a one hit wonder mm. where, um, you know, a person, the chemistry could just happen with the people you're mm-hmm. making music with, with the producer, with the, just the mood you go into a studio with, like something could happen where you can make that song and not necessarily be the most skilled or worthy of musicians, right? It but, yeah, it all, you get the perfect storm kind of in a positive way. It all storm. comes together. Yeah, sure. Exactly. And it used to happen sure. more, I think in, now we're in the days of streaming. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's a very um, formula driven industry. So it might not be applicable anymore, but I think definitely mm-hmm. 10, 15. And, you know, since the beginning of music, it was the same, but he said with stand up comedy, it's impossible to be that person who just randomly breaks out. Because the grind to get good at making people laugh, making Mm -hmm. strangers laugh consistently Mm -hmm. is like, that's why so many comics who, you know, are at the top of the game say, oh yeah, I remember 10 years, 15 years. Like that was still kind of their infancy of getting funny and being a professional comedian. But, but you brought up a very good point when you talk about the economics of things, um, because the economics of just show business in general, mm. the very fickle thing. Right. And then I think stage performance is even a more fickle thing where, uh, yeah, it can be very scary to say, I want to do this as a full-time profession. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, comedy's tricky, right? Cause yeah. um, I'm trying to, I don't know who said this first. So this isn't, this isn't me making up this phrase, but I, I heard it somewhere. And it was like in comedy, it, it, um, it, you know, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success Ah, because when, cause like there's, there's comics that in, within the comedy community, everyone's like, that's one of the best, most gifted people that yeah. I've ever seen, blah, 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 but they're not mainstream. And like the average, like even the, the comedy fan that maybe goes to a comedy club once a year, doesn't necessarily know that person's name, but then something happens where they just catapult. Yeah. Into like more of a sort of general population uh, sort of recognition. Yeah. But there's so much time and work that's gone into getting to that moment where all of a sudden they seem, it seems like to most people, it seems like they came out of nowhere, but they were working really hard for a long period of time first. In obscurity. Yeah. yeah, In relative obscurity. That's the thing that that one hit wonder is a really interesting analogy because I feel like in comedy, it's like you need both, but you need you need to be able to get up there and for an extended period of time, whether it's 20, 40, an hour, make people laugh consistently through the whole thing with this body of work that's taken ages to put together. Right. And then you need that one hit to somehow break through into the mainstream. You need that one moment. You need something. Right. 
to happen some and that's sort of there's a there's an element of that's the perfect storm for the comic yeah whatever that and there's all the stories about the weird things that have been step functions for people's success in comedy and it's like it's always like you know some video of a guy rushing on the stage and hitting you over the head with a bottle goes viral and you're already really good and you're 15 years in, but you're not a household name, but that video gets around and all these people find out about you and you're off to the races, you know? There's yeah. So many famous stories like that of all the big name comics. So many people point to one thing. Russell that, Peters points to that because he was one of the early guys where somehow hmm. a, a number of his sets in the early 2000s went viral. And he says that's when, you know, his career changed. He'd been doing comedy hmm. for at least 10, 15 years in, in Canada oh. and New York. And was, and was pretty big in Canada. Yeah. But hadn't, yeah. And then, I mean, um, there's a famous incident of Jim Jeffries getting punched on stage. Yeah. There's the Joe Rogan, Carlos Mencia video. Yeah. Which really helped, which I think was, a, from what I understand, was a step function in sort of uh, in um, Joe Rogan's career. Um, yeah. Bert Kreischer's machine video that he put on Facebook that went viral. That's right. That's how I, I remember. I remember that one. Cause that's the first time I saw his stuff. I, I saw that video and I was like, I got to look into this guy that, that whatever it was 12 minute video was like one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. Yeah. That story was just so fantastic. Um, and that's, that was my introduction to him as a comedian and he'd been doing it for a long time to yeah. tremendous success. Right. Yep. But that was, so it's like that one and you can't control that. No. You just, but, and, and you, when, when it happens, you want, there's a body of work underneath it. Yeah. So when you okay. find the person, there's all this stuff to go watch and enjoy. And then you become a fan for life. Right. Yeah. Let me ask you about the difference between watching something online, because for me, a lot of comedy now, uh, since I started doing comedy, when I watch, uh, especially specials, mm. um, I, I kind of get bored. I get mm. bored with the majority of it. The majority of it, I can't really get into. But then when I go and see someone live, it could be the same person, maybe even doing similar or the same material. And I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. Um, what What is your feeling on watching specials? Is it something that is still you enjoy doing or do you have to see stuff live to get a feel for, I guess, how- Look, I do think, yeah. Like I do think generally there's something unique and wonderful about live comedy which is yeah. why I hope we get through this thing and get back into enclosed oh, spaces yeah. where we can watch. Be, because it's just, there's like the, the best comics, the way they kind of create like a unified room. And there's this feeling of we're all enjoying this special moment. Yeah. And every show, it, you know, even if someone tells the same jokes, every show is kind of its unique thing. Yeah. Part of something. Yes. Um, there's something very, very special about good stand-up comedy in a great venue. But, um, you know, and, 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 and then add to that, this notion that, um, whatever it was five or 10 years ago when Netflix decided to spend a lot of money and time, um, on comedy, original content, because it's, it's effectively cheaper to produce than, you know, dramas and scripted stuff. Yeah. Um, and the number of specials being released just shot through the roof because it's great content and it is super fun. So there's a lot more over the last five to 10 years. Um, and so not quite as much time goes into each one because you yeah. don't have the luck, you don't have that luxury when you're, when you're a, a comic who's gifted enough, talented enough and lucky enough to have some sort of Netflix deal that you need to deliver on, you need to deliver on it. Um, 
you can't just wait until it's ready. You've got to make it ready. But so all that said, I think we're at this weird fulcrum that's probably sped up by the pandemic of like the concept of specials are, are is changing. And whether, and I don't know what we're going to see. Like Netflix has experimented with shorter ones, right? There was, a, yeah. they did some 15 minute ones, some half hour ones. Yeah. Um, Comedy Central started doing these like sub 10 minute. Yep. Sh- uh, and putting them online. You've got some, the, some of my favorite comics releasing specials for free on YouTube. Yes. Um, I, I do think that's a, that's a YouTube or a social media effect yeah. where, um, I mean, if you look at the ha- the browsing habits yeah. of your average person nowadays, to get a person to watch something for more than 10 minutes is like, holy cow, how'd you do that? Mm-hmm. So I think Netflix just said, okay, okay, we get it. People only want to watch 10, 15 minutes of anything anymore. But there has to be a way, like, I don't know if you have to design it in terms of the the joke structure and it certainly wouldn't work for everyone, but like, I could see someone releasing what, what would have been an hour special, but it's six, 10 minute episodes. Ah, and it's designed for someone to watch 10 minutes and then the next, and then later, you know, and, and like any show, someone might binge watch the whole thing in an hour, but other people, you know, might, might spread it out. And I don't know, you know, I don't think it's as simple as taking what would be an hour and just cutting it and, and slicing it up. There'd probably be a little more art and design to how you do it, but maybe that's the future. Yeah. I don't know. I could see that. Um, Definitely. Well, I mean, they have the date I've heard, I've heard comics talk about their Netflix specials and, um, and some, I'm trying to remember who it was, but like the data suggested that not, not a lot of people, not everyone, like a lot of people drop off somewhere in the middle. Um, mm. Like, uh, oh, who is it? Uh, so it's like, if you, if you, if you hold on, if your closer of your special is your best joke, a bunch of people won't see it. So oh, maybe you right. shouldn't, maybe it should be at like the 20, 25 minute mark instead of at the 55 minute mark. I don't know. These are all good problems to have that I don't need to think about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I, here's my, and this might be really naive and ignorant, but I don't like the concept of opener, closer, middle, so on and so forth. I think, I think anything you have should in and of mm-hmm. itself be, be funny and be good enough. I do understand mm-hmm. if you're going into a long bit that takes a bit of a setup, maybe you don't want to put that at the end might for time reasons, but I guess I've never understood the, the concept of a opening joke or a closing joke because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I hope all my jokes make people laugh. <laughs> So wherever that, yeah, in, in, unless one, unless there's information and one that's required for the next. Ah, sort of thing, that's true. Or, that's true. Or, um, or when you're new, it's a little bit different. Like if you're an established famous person, then presumably everyone, mo- you know, nine out of 10 people watching you have your backstory. Yeah. But um, if you're, if you're not at that stage yet, there is an element of like giving them some information and getting people an understanding of who you are and how you think and see the world before you just launch into an opinion on something. Right. But that's a good point. But, but yeah, I mean the, the opening joke is really just the joke that goes first. And yeah. it's like, does it need to be with the art and stuff? So, like, you know, you hear people like you hear an intro comedy one oh one, right? It's like, put your, your, uh, what your second best joke first and your best joke last. And then everything else in the middle. And part of that is look, when you start out, not every joke is as good as the next one. Ah, like, that's a good point. Yeah. Jokes are not necessarily easy to write. Um, yeah. 
And it could also be that a joke is great, but you know that only two, th there's a chance a third of the people won't get the reference because they've never seen Star Trek or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you, but you're going to tell the joke, so maybe it shouldn't be, you know, maybe it should be buried in the middle somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Um, or just, or, or write another joke where it's more relatable, I guess. But yeah, that's, that's, that's hard to do. And maybe you want the Star Trek fans to really enjoy that one joke. That might be your target audience. But you shouldn't, maybe you don't open with it because you don't want to alienate a third of the people right yeah. out of the gate. Yeah, I just, you know, it's just the first, I don't mean to pick on Star Trek, but first thing that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Love, love Star Trek. Hey, while we're talking about target audiences, let's get into podcasts. So you have a podcast with a couple yes. of called the Uncommonwealth Podcast. So when I first yeah. saw it on your website, I thought Un Uncommonwealth, he's a finance guy. I'm going to listen to the podcast and I'm going to get some good financial tips. Ha! But it turns out we're talking about Commonwealth. We're talking about British Commonwealth, right? Mm. Is that what we're talking about for the Commonwealth? The so, Commonwealth of Nations, yes. Commonwealth of Nations. So um, I actually tried to launch a podcast um, called Ignorant Americans. Oh, good title. Uh, where it was only international news, but my mm. and uh, my brother and a, and a couple friends hot take on it. We never launched that podcast. But I like where you guys are going with this because it gives a chance for the ignorant American to kind of be a fly in the wall. So talk to me about your co-hosts. Where are they all from? And then what is the, the subject matter of the uh, Uncommonwealth yeah. podcast? Oh, I'm glad uh, glad you asked. So so I, I'm originally from Canada, but I've lived in the U.S. for a while. Um, what, there's, there's four of us. There's another Canadian okay. um, that grew up in, 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 in Western Canada spends a lot of time in New York uh, and is actually back in Canada. Now okay. there's a, uh, a British guy who kind of his childhood was split between England and Texas, I believe. And now is in New York and an Australian who moved to New York five, six years ago to pursue comedy. Okay. But, but spent the vast majority of his life in Australia. So it's like, we're all, we're all from Commonwealth countries. Yeah. But kind of li but living in the U S uh, we're all comedians. So it's sort of like, un and we have kind of uncommon opinions. Okay. But it's sort of like this non, not being kind of native American, native Americans, <laughs> native to America or native Americans technically. Yeah, um, yeah. But not, you know, we have, we have maybe just a different perspective than if we'd grown up in the United States. So it's like, we, we, we do mostly focus on interesting things from around the world. Yeah, it's not it's not U.S. centric, but we'll talk about U.S. stuff sometimes just from our our perspectives of having grown up in different countries. Yeah, I think my it, wife. It's also it, short. It's like 20 minute episodes. So it's not a burden. Exactly. And yeah. so yeah. that's I've been trying to move to shorter uh, format because, um, you know, I know, again, when you're doing anything creative, they say don't try and. Um, oh, what's that? What's that? where don't try and guess what your audience wants. Mm. I'm forgetting the phrase. Anyway, uh, you like, you shouldn't panic, just do what you want to do. But I've been trying to cut my podcast right. length down, but I get chatty. I start talking too much and comics tend to talk more, but I do like the length of your podcast. And I think, I think the 20 to 40 minute mark, that's the sweet spot. I think the Joe Rogan effect kind of skewed a lot of podcasters into thinking, Oh, I should be talking for an hour and a half to three hours when really I don't think most conversations need to last that long. <laughs> so I definitely, yeah, like, I mean, I, like you guys yeah, if I really, if I really like a guest, 
I'll listen to like a the three hour Joe Rogan podcast with that guest. Yeah. And I'll probably listen to it in 20 to 40 minute increments while yes. over the course of a few days. Yeah. Because I'm really interested in that particular conversation. Yeah. But yeah, three hours is a lot. Um, but yeah, we wanted to keep it at 20. And also, by the way, if it's a niche, like if you're talking comedy with comedians, yeah, you can go longer because people yeah. are going to be really interested in the subject matter. Since we're talking about, we kind of do four or five minute segments each episode. Yeah. roughly speaking. So um, not everyone's going to be interested in every single one. Some will be better than others. But um, I think it's the kind of thing that lends itself to you. It's goofy. It's fun. You'll learn something about something. Yes. And it's over in 20 minutes. And uh, and we and we the other thing we have the luxury of doing since it's a little shorter is um we edit it. Yeah. So it's not it's not like hit record talk, you know, just vomit for three hours and then hit end record and post. Yeah. Um, we probably very high production probably, value. Yeah. You we know, probably have 35 to 45 out. minutes each. We, we record almost 45 minutes each episode and the, the episode ends up being 20. Yeah. So we're only giving you the stuff that's interesting. Yeah. Who's doing the editing. You doing that or uh, uh, me and Jimmy, we, we, we trade off each week cause it uh, takes some time. Yeah. When you're when you're cutting half the stuff out and you got to make decisions, um, it takes a little time. I but it's a it. better it's a better result. So, yep. Yeah, I tried different formats where I was editing. Oh, I can't stand it. Man, it drives off. You, you take um, when you say forty minutes of content, that's like an hour and a half to two hours of editing right there. Oh yeah. So hey, let's do this. Let's get into it, man. Since you were a former Canadian and I am an ignorant American, we're going to play a game of true or false. This okay. is a segment. Yes, we have a transition. So this is going to be Canadian. Uh, sorry. True or false Canada edition. Oh, true or false Canada edition. Can, we, can you wait? Well, hold on a sec. Let me, um, let me get prepared. Okay. Oh, you know, I, I thought I had a Canadian flag and I don't. So never mind. Okay. And I think, you know what? I think these questions, I'm fairly confident, probably um, you're going to be able to answer. So no pressure. Okay. Uh, but we're going to kick it off here. And this is the true or false Canada edition for ignorant Americans. And I have, I have at least three listeners. So this will be good. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. True or false, Adam, Canada is the 48th state in the continental United States. True or false? I'm gonna go with false. That is correct. It is, despite popular belief, Canada is actually its own country. It has its own military, its own currency, mm. everything, right? Oh yeah. I think it's a Canadian dollar, a little bit different. Yep. yep. A little bit different, um, but yes, it is not part of America. So this is some people get confused on from time to time. Mm. So far, we got a we got a hundred percent. Okay, Canadian police officers only ride horses. True or false? Um, that is false, but it'd be cooler if it was true. Yeah. See, people get mixed up because uh, Mountie. The Mountie, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Yeah, that's right. Which let me, so Adam, let me ask you this. You know, there was a time when um, 
you know, we were, I guess we were a little more insensitive and in the States, you know, I don't know elsewhere how it went, but we, we, uh, had like a mean word, like, um, you know, transgender people, people just shortened it down to say tranny, but, and then transgender people said, that's, that's insulting. We don't want, we don't want you mm-hmm. using that. Do you think Mounties are ever going to say, Hey, stop calling us Mountie. We prefer Mounted. Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I can't imagine that they care, but you never know these days. Yeah. Never know. Could be. Okay. So here we go. Here's another one. True or false. Canada invented ice hockey. True. Yes. So this is the question that I actually, I went and did a significant amount of research on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, cloudy, but definitely uh, the game, like, so I guess England and Scotland and Ireland, they all have different stick kind of games. They got hurling, they got, oh, hurling, hockey, yeah. they got um, some other kind of game, but I think it was some like uh, military uh, British military people who were going over to the new territories or Canada or whatever. Uh, and they yeah. started playing on ice. And then some of them started to learn how to ice skate. And then it became like a physical fitness thing. And then they just threw in the nets. So I think it's, it's overwhelming mm. consensus that people say Canada does get the nod for inventing ice hockey. If memory serves the original, like hockey puck was uh, frozen cow turd. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that does sound right. Um, so did you play hockey? Oh yeah. 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 What, yeah, what yeah. position did you play? I played, uh, I was a forward. I played center and left wing. Okay. You know, I, it's interesting here in the Bay area. I was never raised with ice hockey. Um, you've been to a Sharks I, game. Well, so that's where it gets interesting. So I, um, I played the traditional, you know, the basketball, the football, mm. the baseball, and I even did soccer as a mm. kid. I wrestled in high school, but I never, I guess I never really paid attention to ice hockey. We only kind of had mm. a local news and there wasn't a whole lot going on. And then when NHL decided to add the expansion team in San Jose, uh, the Sharks, yeah, the Bay Area lost their mind for hockey. Oh, there yeah. are diehard hockey fans here. And it's hilarious. I mean, you're talking hockey fans who probably, you know, like never, never had really been in cold climates, probably never ice skated, but they're diehard uh, Sharks fans to the point where I don't think it'll ever happen. I think there's some kind of curse in San Jose, but if they were to ever win wow. the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That is going to be a very interesting parade um, because you're going to have an eclectic mix mm. <laughs> of, of people out on the road celebrating that win. Uh, didn't Oakland back in the days when there was the WHA, I think it was, competing with the NHL, wasn't there like the o- Oakland Golden Seals or something? Holy cow. If there was, there was I know. There never- was a team in Oakland. Oakland hockey. Wow, that is a great fact. That I, I think that I feel like they were the seals. Yeah. California golden seals from set 1967 to 1976. Okay. In Oak in Oakland. Yeah. So 
that explains it. I was born in 75. So and it's the goofiest looking logo with like a seal and yeah. a, and a C. Yeah. Oh, but look at this. They even have the Oakland A color, Oakland A's colors. Green and yeah, yellow. same colors. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I was not hip to that. So see, look at how that works out. We do a true or false question. Yeah. And the ignorant American ends up learning something. You should get like a California Golden Seals like t-shirt or something. That'd be pretty cool. I should if they're selling them. There's always some website that has all the all the teams that don't exist anymore because they're kind of cool. Yeah, there you go. Twenty bucks, you can get a you can get a um, Golden Seals t-shirt. That's pretty wild. I might get one. That uh, that would be a good conversation starter. So I didn't. I had never even heard of this league. So there was another league contending for NHL. Yes. And I think it started in the sixties and then it, it, I don't know how, what happened, but at some point it just merged Yeah, in the seventies. It just merged into the NHL and I don't, and obviously not all the teams made it. Probably a similar story to AFL NFC kind of thing where they just decided to join for And then the poor- at some stage they just merged. You're right. Right. Yeah. Right. And the Oakland seals got caught up in the churn and we're, yeah, I don't know if they ended up going somewhere else or what happened. But they obviously disappeared. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. A couple more questions here. True or false? So far, we're batting a thousand here. Oh, sweet. So definitely uh, we're learning a lot here. Okay. Here's another true or false question. Jordan Peterson is the president of Canada. Uh, f- false. False. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> Unless he like self-appointed himself somehow, because there is no official president, right? Yeah, the prime minister. He's Preston Trudeau is prime minister. Prime minister, that's right. So I, it works different there, right? There's no president. There's prime minister. Right. It's a parliamentary system, like like right. England or Britain. Right. There we go. Um, I think technically, I, I want to say, I believe my wife was born in British Commonwealth. She was born in Hong Kong. Oh. Oh, sure. Remember, um, she came here in the 80s, but I do remember my first trip there looking at the money and saying, why, why is there... Why is the queen on it? Yeah, why is there a wrinkly old white lady on Asian money? And she said, well, no, this is... We were British for a long time. And her dad actually... Her, so her dad is a civil engineer and there's like pictures of him at uh, functions, like some kind of mm. whatever. And there's literally guys wearing kilts along with people in suits and it's like a very confusing, but you know, again, the sun never set on the English empire at one point. So I, I guess they're just every, yes. um, with things until the nineties when was it the nineties when Hong Kong reverted back to China. Yeah. It's, and I think now we're starting to see why a lot of people kind of left. Yeah. Over the, over the <laughs> ensuing years, a lot of people. Yeah. Left. They kind of knew what was going to, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, no, Jordan Peterson, he's a very uh, recognizable guy, but he is not the president. They have a, a prime minister there. Yes. Uh, okay, here we go. Last one, true or false. Norm MacDonald, you know Norm MacDonald, right? Is the president of Canada, yes. <laughs> Norm MacDonald is the funniest Canadian, true or false? This oh, wow. Is a trick well, question. This is difficult. Look, there's a lot of very funny uh, Canadians. Yeah. Um, there's no question he's up there. Funniest is a hard. It's hard. It's subjective. 
it's a very subjective difference, but um, you know, some of the best Norm's one of my favorites. So oh, he's one of my favorites too, one hundred percent. Um, I'm happy saying that he is one of the funniest Canadians. Okay. Or one of the best Canadian stand-up comics, however you want to phrase it. Yes, I will I say. Mean, if, you go, if you just say who's the funniest, like, like then you start, you got to be talking about like John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, and there's a lot of people to consider. Well, Jim Carrey. But if you go. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, sure. Uh, Mike Myers. Um, Mike Myers, yep. Who, who else? And Lauren Michaels is Canadian. That's right. That's so there's a, there's, um, there's a Canadian, I mean, Eugene Levy. Yeah. This question, it's hard to be objective on this question. Um, I went with false. Norm McDonald is the funniest Canadian. I went with Tom McDonald is the funniest Canadian. Who's Tom McDonald? Oh, goodness gracious. Adam. You, Wait, what Tom am I missing? McDonald. He is, he's a Canadian rapper. Oh, Tom McDonald and well, Drake's uh, pretty funny. Does that count? What's up? Drake's pretty funny. Drake is funny. That's right. We're going to talk rappers. I, you know what? I'm going to, we're coming up on the hour, so I'm not going to go down the Tom McDonald rabbit hole, but I highly okay. encourage you. If you, if you are interested in wasting, um, you know, anywhere from 15 minutes to 15 hours of <laughs> entertaining content, he's a, he's a rapper from Canada. He used to be a pro wrestler. Oh, and, um, okay. it's intriguing. It's intriguing. It's intriguing. He's very controversial. He's, he's up there with the Jordan Peterson type guy oh, wow. uh, where he's just, he's speaking his mind, you know, he's just throwing it out there. He's putting it out there. He's saying what he wants to say. And, uh, but anyway, that was, that was all just stick. I love Norm Macdonald. Wow. True fact. He was actually, he was supposed to be, um, the last tickets I had for a comedy show was Norm Macdonald at the oh. improv here in San Jose. And it was a week before the shutdown. And of course he, he, uh, had to cancel. Yeah. So, um, that would have been the last live show I went to see, but, um, as far as joke writing goes, Norm Macdonald is like, he's one of the guys, um, if I could ever write jokes like him, I would be so happy. I watch, Probably once every other month, at least I go back and I watch his, um, his last Letterman set from like that. I think it was that oh, final yeah, yeah. week. The German one. Couple, the German, like, oh, uh, let's start. Uh, it's just that whole set. It's just amazing. I, um, I'm that way, but I go watch his moth joke, either his moth mm. joke or his, uh, doghouse joke. <laughs> oh, I'll have to go watch those. Yeah. The doghouse one. It's. It's all politically incorrect. <laughs> like what, what he says at the doghouse, but it's, it's really, it's just, it's so hilarious, uh, his stuff. So why do you think Canada's produced so many good uh, entertainers? I don't know. Uh, and I don't know if it's like more per capita or anything than, than anywhere else. I'm not sure if it is or not, but um, it's a good, it's a good question. I don't, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. So like, yeah. why do the Swiss make good watches? I don't know. The Swiss make good watches. The they decided to at some stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canadians give us hockey players and comedians. Um, cool. So Adam, this has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate and Ryan's. What's up? And comedian and Ryan's. Gosling and Reynolds, both Canadian. 
Oh, I didn't just, know just, that. Just saying. All right. It so gets- comedian, yeah, comedians and, and Ryans. Nice, nice. And hockey players. Hockey, tons of hockey players. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, are there any upcoming shows you want to promote? Plug, <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> yeah, more Zoom. More Zoom. Just Zoom. Yeah, just Zoom stuff. Yeah. For now. Cool. Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And, hey, thanks uh, for having me. I will be bumping into you soon. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. All right.